Let's welcome everybody joining us in our global community. Thank you for being here this morning. We love you guys. Well, Pastor Sierra said it in the, uh, in the transition time, but we're very excited about kicking off another season of life groups here at the campus, and we want to uh, have a conversation with you this morning around the power of community and what happens when we really allow something like life groups to draw us together in deeper, deeper ways. So I want to pray, and my message is entitled this morning, and I came up with this last night about 7 o'clock, so um, this is just where I could land. I have this, I have this uh, problem, maybe, maybe you can relate if you've ever put together any type of presentation or uh, wrote a paper or anything like that. I always know like what I want to say, I just don't know what to call it. Um, so the title always comes after for me. I never get that that before. So anybody relate to that besides me? Okay, a few of you. Cool. All right. Well, I'll know who I'm preaching to this morning. This is great. Those that raise your hand, you'll understand everything perfect. You'll have to help everybody else. Uh, but let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come together boldly, publicly, to respond to you in corporate worship to speak your scriptures out loud without fear of persecution, Lord. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that here in our country and in this time, we, we are so thankful for the freedoms that we do have. And we join in partnership this morning with our brothers and sisters all over the globe, some of which do not have those same freedoms. But what we know, Lord, is that no matter what might be going on politically, who the sun sets free is free indeed. So we thank you for the freedom that we all have as the global body of Christ in Christ. And I thank you, Lord, that we would use that freedom not as an opportunity to gratify the flesh, but as an opportunity to see your joy and your peace and your kingdom abound in every area of our lives. Thank you for uniting us through the bond of the Holy Spirit that bond of peace. And we pray, Lord, that this morning, any storm in our life would be calmed by your peace. Anything in our mind and in our hearts that weigh us down and burden us with a heavy load, that we would experience a lifting of that burden and an exchange, our burden for your burden. Lord Jesus, you promised that your burden was light and that your yoke was easy. So we come to you to find rest for our souls. And I pray, Lord, that in that rest this morning, we would be rejuvenated. We would experience a refreshing that only comes through your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear, a heart to understand, sober minds to be attentive to what you're doing. We thank you for this fellowship this morning. In the strong and powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Together equals revival. I want to share with you a learning that came to our family about a week or so ago. Um, for those of you that know me and my family, um, we've got uh, a lot of kids. Uh, I have two men that I deeply love and are brothers to me on the front row, and we're united in many ways, but one of the things that we're united in is the number of kids that we have. So between just the three of us on the front row, we have 15 kids. So, <laughs> so we're, we're, staying, we're staying together. I leaned over in the, after the worship and I grabbed Pastor Landon's hand and I said, I need your strength this morning. <laughs> so uh, having all those kids, I mean, there's just a lot to learn <laughs> and a lot that you're constantly learning. And in my home, we have five. Each one of our homes, we have five children, and mine are very close in age. Um, my oldest is eight, and my youngest is two, so you can figure out how all of them fall. And uh, my son, uh, Judah, he's, uh, he, man, he's, he's with me in a lot of different things uh, ministry-wise. He comes with me. He's a part. Um, he's, he's, uh, he's here this morning, but he's in an undisclosed location in the building watching on the TV right now. Uh, <laughs> But uh, he, he shared something just in passing with his sister, my, my, my oldest. And uh, my wife, uh, Serena, uh, who's also watching. Why don't you just give Serena a hand? She's watching online this morning. Uh, you know, whenever you have that many kids, it's, there's always, you know, at least one that's just not 
feeling well or something going on. So she's, she's at home with the kids this morning. And um, I know for sure she's watching online because she said on Facebook that she was. So, you know, you got to tell the truth on Facebook, right? So, <clears throat> and there's, there's fact checkers to assist you in telling the truth. Aren't you so grateful for the fact checkers that help us stay truthful? <clears throat> that's, sar- that, that, that's sarcasm in case you were wondering. Okay, don't go there. I want to, uh, so anyway, this, this learning happened last week and uh, my oldest two were talking and uh, so thankful for our school here, Victory Life Academy. And just the, yeah, the, the impact that it's having on our community and the families that are a part. And man, I can think of no better time to see families partner with Christian education in the time that we're living in right now. So very excited for what the future even holds for our school. And Pastor Landon here on the front row, he's actually our academy pastor. And he pastors in the school, our parents and our kids and our teachers, and he's just doing an incredible job, him and his, him and his family. But I'm so thankful for the academy because it, it reinforces and builds upon the things that we're doing at home. And uh, so they're getting, they're getting Bible all the time. They're, they're seeing the world through a biblical worldview. And uh, Pastor Jacob, what's the, what's the percentage you said the other day we were in conversation about uh, our, a church like ours, uh, Protestant, uh, non-denominational, is doing the best statistically out of any church, genre of church, at making sure that their members are discipled in a biblical worldview, but what's the percentage of success that churches like us are having right now? 13% of congregations, now not Victory Life, we're like, you know, 99%, you already know that. <laughs> 1%, still room to grow. But 13% of congregations in churches that are our genre, our flavor, non-denominational Protestant churches, 13% success in seeing congregants actually live out a biblical worldview. Wow, you wanna talk about room for discipleship. There is somebody that you need to be connected to that needs to know what you know. And uh, one of the things I'm so grateful for with our academy is the ability to see our children equipped for life and part of that life training as a disciple of Lord Jesus because as parents, if you call yourself a disciple, then the chief job that you have as a parent is not to see your kids excel in this, this, that, or the other. The chief call that you have as a parent in a Christian home is to see your children become disciples of the Lord Jesus. That's how we're measuring and marking our success. I know for sure, at least with the with three of us here on the, the, the front row, uh, that, that's what we're looking for. And I believe that if you're here, you want that as well. So I'm very grateful for that. And so lots of Bible conversations, a lot of learning to interpret the times and learning to see things in the culture through the lens of the scripture. And uh, my two kids, my oldest two were conversing last week and uh, my wife overheard a conversation and um, it really spoke to her. And when she shared it with me, it was really profound. My son's six years old and he's ha- he had this revelation that he was sharing with the sister. So I, I wrote it down and I want to share it with you. And they were talking, the context is they were talking about Abraham and they're talking about Noah and they're talking about just some Old Testament uh, patriarchs. And this is what Judah, my son, said to Jovi, my daughter. He said, Jovi, Noah was also kind of the father of many nations. You know, he was a part of Abraham's family too. That's how it works, you know, Jovi. We're all a part of each other. What we do today is important for our kids, even our grandkids, I mean. Isn't that pretty good? That's pretty cool. I mean, that, that really just spoke to me, and I knew I was, uh, I, I, I remembered I was preaching Monday of this week, so that was good. I remembered in a lot earlier time than I normally do. And it's not because we don't have calendars, it's all, it's just because I don't check it. So that's telling tell on myself. Uh, but uh, I, I said, man, you know, life group, life group launch is happening, and what Judah had this revelation around was really just kind of stirring in my heart, and I said, man, I think, I, I don't know for sure where all I want to go, but I want to use that as a place to begin. And what really stands out to me about this conversation that my two kids were having is that Judah said this phrase, that's how it works, you know. We're all a part of each other. And I started thinking about that. I started thinking about 
do we really know that that's how it works? And what's it that he's talking about? He's talking about our faith. He's talking about what it means to be a believer, what it means to be a part of the family of God. You've heard us use this phrase before if you've been around here for any length of time, any significant length of time, that we don't believe that church is an event that you go to. We believe it's a family that you get to belong to. And I think that so often in our world, and especially when you look at some of those statistics, which I can tell you that Pastor Jacob definitely has a heart to see us set the new benchmark on what that statistic is going to be. Uh, how many of you are in on that? You want to see our church grow and what it means to produce Bible-believing disciples of the Lord Jesus, man. We're sold out to that, and we're, we're so excited about what the future holds and so much coming in regards to even resources and divine strategies that God's downloading into Pastor Jacob's heart and to our whole leadership team about how we can continue to speak to those mountains of culture and see them moved in Jesus' name. Um, faith and walking out this faith thing with Jesus, it'll get excited, exciting for you when you, when you figure out that uh, you've got the ability to speak to mountains and see them move. Amen. Um, but speaking requires some kind of action on our part, doesn't it? Uh, they don't move with just a thought. They don't move with just a well-wish or a good intention. They move whenever faith looks like works in the sense of faith has the outworking of some type of activity in our lives. We're empowered through the grace of the Lord Jesus, not just to occupy until he comes, but to take ground, to see the kingdom leaven advance into every facet of society and to see the name of Jesus made famous throughout all the earth. That gets me excited. How about you? And now, as I'm thinking about this mission that we're called to as a church, I'm thinking about every, every work that God has us to do, everything that's ahead of us on the horizon. And I'm reflecting on Pastor Duane's series that we've come out of, What a Time to Stand. What a timely word. Um, I pray that we have ears to hear. I pray that we have open hearts to receive what that looks like and have the Holy Spirit work out all those areas of our life that we need to be standing in the good fight of faith in this spiritual fight that God's called us to. But, you know, everything that God's calling us to do and everything that the Lord wants us to advance in and everything that the God wants us to grow in, all of that is supposed to take place in a particular context. And the context is family. I think about this great awakening that we're believing for. Anybody else just feel that fire on the inside of you whenever Pastor Duane would speak these past couple weeks and say that as a church, we're standing for this next great awakening in our country, in our nation. Man, I, I'm so honored and I'm humbled, deeply humbled, that the Lord would say, this is your time in history to serve in the kingdom of God. Did any of you ask to be born in the time frame that you were born? No. Anybody ask for you to have the family that you had or the last name that you have? No, some of you would have liked to pick something different, right? <laughs> um, but we have to understand that we are here for such a time. God knew who he would need in this time. And there's this deep gratitude and this deep humility and this immense honor that I feel that God would say, tag, you're it. When you think about this family of the faith, you think about this all of us being connected that Judah was trying to communicate to Jovi and asking the question, you, that's how it works, you know, Jovi. We're all a part of each other. And that question stirs in me today. Do we really know that's how it works? I think so much about church culture, especially in our country, looks so much like some type of individual experience with Jesus or some type of private uh, devotion to the Lord that doesn't invade any public space. We're really good about experiencing individual encounter, but we don't know much about corporate response when it comes to even our worship. Worship for so many of us is defined as what we do in secret, what we do in our prayer closet. And how many of you know that that is a place that we all need to be? But there's something significant about this time that I think God really wants to highlight for us 
the power of what happens whenever we understand that we're in this together. People just don't want to be a part of a service. People want to belong to a family. The world is crying out for connection. People are crying out to be a part of some type of a movement that really is changing things desperately. You know, the people that you disagree with the most politically feel just as convinced as you do about change needing to happen. They feel just as convinced as you do about needing to do something. And I really feel that God is priming the pump, so to speak, in regards to this revival that we're believing for. When people have the blinders actually come off, when people have these Saul to Paul conversions that I've personally been praying for. Because, you know, there's something, there's something in regards to testimony that happens whenever somebody gets saved that nobody thought could be saved. And they start doing things that nobody thought they could ever do that carries a new weight. So personally, I don't know if you want to join me in this or not. If you're a Christian, you will. But <laughs> I'm praying at some of the highest level of office in the land for Saul to Paul conversions. For God to show up and knock some people out of their Range Rover on the way to work. Praise God. <laughs> yeah. See, man. Donkey, you can't. Anyway, what would you want? Starts to break down because of our current times. But um, I'm praying for that. I'm, I'm believing for this revival, this awakening. And I believe that we have to understand that revival is a move of God. Revival is God's hand doing something that people can't do on their own. But the interesting thing about it is, and the reason I don't know for sure if we really understand the way that it works. Judah's little voice coming to me. You know that's how it works, Jovi. We're all a part of each other. I hear that. I, I, I hear the Father's voice in that speaking to us this morning. You know that's how it works. What, what works? Well, I believe He's speaking to us about how revival works. I believe he's speaking to us about how an awakening works. I believe he's speaking us to us about how the church works. Because if this awakening that we're believing for, if this revival that we're believing for really is a move of God, then we have to ask ourselves the question, do we understand how God moves? Do we understand how he works? The majority of us sometimes, no. No idea. Well, God is sovereign after all. So there'll be something that he just eventually does. I can track with you for a little bit there. But, you know, the more and more that I read the Bible, which is good if you want to have a biblical worldview, you should actually read this. If you want to help us whittle away that percentage and make it go up, I don't know if whittling would be the right word. We want to glue, we want to pack, I don't know what we want to do, but we want it to be higher than 13%. Then you actually have to read this, and you actually have to ask the question, how much of this is showing up in me? How much of this is showing up in the way that I behave? How much of this is showing up in the way that I vote? Praise God. And how much of this is showing up in the way that I treat people that don't vote like me? Wow, you guys responded good. We'll try that again at the 11. How much of this is showing up in the way that I pray for the people that are ruling that I didn't vote for? <laughs> how much of this is showing up in me? You know, that's how it works because there's a litany of people that have gone before us inspired by the Holy Spirit that left us examples to follow. That's how it works, you know. 
We're all a part of each other. And there's revivals that happened here from the same hand of God through the same types of people that God wills in our day and in our time. But I can tell you truly, until we understand the way that God moves, we'll be confused on how the revival comes, how the awakening comes. Last time I read this thing, the Lord Jesus has left a representative of himself in the earth today. And the representative of himself that he's left in the earth today is his body, Amen. the church. And the representative of the body, the church, he has also given the great gift of the Father, the Holy Spirit, to do the things that he did. So how does this awakening come that we're believing for? How does this revival come? How does a nation experience a move of God? Well, if I'm tracking with the scripture, and I believe that I am, and I know Pastor Jacob and I had a little chat before the service, and he's got his lasso ready if I get too far off, so he's going to fact check this and make sure that I get this right. I believe that God moves through his body. I don't think God's into out-of-body experiences. <laughs> the scripture says, he that's joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. How many of you believe that you've been joined to the Lord? We got a whole lot of Jesus in this room right now. The question is, do we have a whole lot of Jesus out there? Because the togetherness that we have in here, uh, Pastor Duane uses this phrase, I don't think it's original, but I'm still going to give him credit for it. Sowing good seeds. Maybe I'll, get, maybe I'll get quoted one day. A corporate anointing. You know, there's nothing like being able to worship Jesus in your car. Anybody, your car is your secret place. I spend a lot of time in the car. For those that work at me, with me, sometimes coming to and fro from meetings, they'll just find me in my car in the parking lot with the window rolled down and I'm finishing up an email or a phone call. And a lot of times what I'm doing is I'm kind of just lingering in conversation with God from the last place that I left off talking to him in that meeting or in that group of people or whatever it might be. And there's nothing like being able to worship Jesus in that private space. That's a beautiful place, an intimate place. But can I get a witness that there's something different in regards to what you even feel? And I don't want to get all hung up on feelings. I am like resident feeler kind of on staff and on some of our, our teams. We've got some thinkers and then we've got some feelers. So I represent the feelers. I can't tell you why, but it just feels wrong. I can't tell you why, but it feels good. And that's why Pastor Jacob and I work so good together because he can say, yes, and this is why. <laughs> I'm like, what he said, that's it. I told you the whole time I felt it. But here's the thing that that's about how it works. That's it. But, but, but here's, here's the thing is that you sense deep in you something different when we're together worshiping God. Amen. Don't you? Yes. Isn't that why you come? There's a, there's a, where there's unity, there's a commanded blessing. Where two or three are gathered in my name, the Lord says, there I am also in the midst of them. I love that you and Jesus have time on your own, but I think that you really have to know and understand that revival doesn't come unless we're together. Because the work that God has us to do in this time is not a one man or one woman job. The time is shifting from the singular man or woman of God to the people of God. Amen. And the revival that God wants to do is so great. It's so heavy. The, understand it this way. Um, have you ever tried to move anything heavy before? I'm anticipating. We're going to move into our house in a couple of weeks in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We've been living in an RV since uh, end of July 2019. Five kids. And uh, it'd be fine if it was just my wife and I, but that never happens. And <laughs> 356 square feet. 
You want to talk about testing your Christian virtue? <laughs> I do have some, and uh, I forgot it at times, but I always pick it back up again <laughs> and, re- and repent. I told uh, uh, Pastor Jacob a couple weeks ago, because he's getting so close to the house, I said, listen, brother, I just need to tell you, you're my pastor, and you need to know this. Something might blow up or break down really soon. And uh, I just need you to be praying. And if something bad happens, I'm coming to you first. <laughs> but we have grace. We're, we're making it through. But uh, so I'm, I'm anticipating. I'm preparing my heart. For those of you that, that know me, uh, I kind of move slow. And uh, a lot of, I'm very aware of these things about myself. I kind of move slow. And because I move slow, I don't sweat very much. <laughs> So I can, I, I can wear the same clothes for long periods of time. <laughs> if you see me wearing black shirts a lot, it's not because I have a lot of black shirts. <laughs> I just don't sweat. And I, I, smell, I, I, I smell pretty good most of the time because of the not sweating thing. I'm more of like a house plant. You can think of me like a house plant. <laughs> I will provide you shade next to your lazy boy. That's where I'm at. I love the outdoors. My favorite way to experience it is through a window, an air-conditioned room. <laughs> so it's great. So that's me. That's me. That's my, that's my flavor. But because I move slow, I really have to prepare my heart to do large physical acts like move. <laughs> like anywhere, just across the room or no. <laughs> but so like if you're carrying something heavy, how many of you have ever carried one of those sleeper sofas? You know what the... Aren't those from the devil? That's terrible. Why would you do that to somebody? Why would you make such a thing? We got some people that own furniture stores here. You need to repent for selling sleeper sofas. Or at least tithe double off of every sale of that sleeper sofa. In Jesus' name. But if you're carrying something heavy, how many of you know the more hands, the better? You ever try to move something heavy by yourself? It's terrible. It's terrible. Injury is sure to happen. Injury or cussing, one of the two. It's sure to happen. Easy. Pastor Lane, he's, got, he's taking Pastor Jacob's lasso. He's like, no, go there. Careful, Zach. I'm free, man. I'm so free in Jesus. I, doesn't it feel good to be free? Oh, I love to be free. I love to be free. Uh, not to cuss, amen, but... Don't use your freedom as an opportunity to gratify the flesh. Doing good until I stub my toe. Every time, it just happens. <laughs> Tongues most of the time now, but still. Okay, so I got to get off this. Moving something heavy. The revival that God wants to do in our day is a heavy thing. And it requires everybody hands in. Together. And the thing about it is we can't steward the awakening that God has for us as a country if we're not together. And let me just be honest with you, coming to church once a week is not together. It's not about just attending a service. It's about understanding. God's left us some blueprints for revival. And I really wonder what would happen to the way we view things like life group, view things like our spring launch for groups, view things like getting into community with one another If we started to see time together, focused time together, life group, small group, disciple group, whatever you want to call it, there's a million names, time together as one of the ingredients in the recipe of revival. What would change about the way you saw community if you actually viewed it as an ingredient for revival? I can tell you it would would change a lot of things. Look at Acts chapter 2. Acts 2.42, God has left us some some blueprints to follow here, a recipe. Listen to this, Acts 2.42. Let me make sure that's where I want to go. Yep, fact checked it, that's it. And they devoted themselves, so this is after the day of Pentecost, the Pentecost experience. I seem to always, anytime, man, I just, I always keep coming back to to Pentecost. I think that's, that's where the good stuff starts happening, Amen. And they devoted themselves, who's they? This newly formed church. In verse 41, it says, those that received the word from the apostle Peter, he stands up and gives the first Holy Spirit-filled 
message and says, so those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Wow. You know, people have problems and I don't know why. It just People are just crazy sometimes. You know, well, the church can't be doing anything good because it's too big. You ever heard that before? That's a big church. It's one of them mega churches. 3,000 souls in one day. What does that sound like to you? And God did it. So take it up with him. Well, if it's, you know, too big, something, you know, that they got to be watering down the message because that, not that many people would go to it if it was real Bible preaching. And... <laughs> Whatever helps you sleep, right? So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Think about that. In one day, the church, the church, the fire-filled, Holy Spirit-breathed church, 3,000 souls in one day. You know, by comparison, we're, we're not a, a, a mega church. We're bigger than some, smaller than others. But notice that this, this huge amount of people that there's things that they did besides just have one really good encounter in an upper room service. See, God can light the fire of revival, but it takes a body to steward it. And there's particular things that you do to be able to carry, to steward the move that God has. See, we have to stop looking at things like church service, getting into groups, serving all the things that we're trying to move in, you have to stop looking at that as like some kind of agenda that we have or some, some type of like program to keep you entertained. Like we want to make sure that you have all these things to do because we're really insecure that you might leave unless we have things to keep you busy. That might be the MO of some churches. That's not the MO here. The MO here is that we exist to see people transformed by Jesus. And the things that we put out in front of you that we want you to participate in, if we don't believe it leads to transformation, we don't put it out in front of you. If we don't believe in it, we don't talk about it. <laughs> I'm so blessed. And How many of you... I won't, I'm not getting, they're my friends. Hopefully they'll forgive me. I'm not trying to say. How many of you got to see our, our Facebook video of our friends Janet and Pat and their, face, and their life group story? That's transformation. That's revival in an entire family. Because they made a decision to be together, not just in the room here. There's something that God wants to do that's bigger than in the room. There's something that God wants to do in our time that's bigger than you. The question is, who's a part of you? And who are you a part of? That's the way it works, you know, Joby. <laughs> We're all a part of each other. Because what God wants to do in the earth today is heavy. It's a deep thing. It's a big thing. And it takes all of us putting our hands in. So look at this. This day of Pentecost happens. 3,000 people get saved in one day. Praise God. I believe it in our day. Amen? And listen to what they did. Who? They, the church, the believers, the brothers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together. All who believed were because together equals, even if you're not good at math, that's really easy. One more time, because together equals, how do I know? What does revival look like? People getting saved, people getting healed, people getting delivered, things that God's doing in a company of people that only can be seen in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no political office that can do the things that the church can do. There's no government agency that can facilitate unity and healing and fight for the soul of America. <laughs> the church in whatever nation it's in is the keeper of the soul of that nation. The church is called to do. There's no well-intentioned, non-profit, government-subsidized agency 
that can do what the church is called to do. To see people transformed by Jesus. Listen, and all who believed were, everybody say together. And had all things in common. Wow. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together. Check. You guys made it today. Good job. Here's the question. And breaking bread in their homes. Man, I know people that have come to church their whole life, but all their friends are outside of the church. How can we be together if we don't even like spending time with each other outside of here? <laughs> I remember something that uh, Jaren, shout out to Jaren. She's our campus administrator. She does an incredible job. Seriously could not do anything that we do without her oversight and involvement. She's a phenomenal leader. I love this thing that she told me one day. She said, you know, we've really all got to figure out how to get along because we're going to be with each other for forever. <laughs> that's why you practice reconciliation now. That's why you practice now because you're going to be stuck with each other for forever. Amen. <laughs> But what's this blueprint? What's this map that God gives us? And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. Listen, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. He continued revival because they were together. They were together. Turn with me to uh, John John's my favorite, in case you wondered, of all the apostles. Spend a lot of time in John. John 17. Do you think that Jesus' prayers should get answered? Do you think that there's something powerful, potentially maybe even revival, whenever the church starts living in a fulfillment of Jesus' prayer? Oh, I would say so. Listen to this, John chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus in his high priestly prayer. One of my favorite chapters, Pastor Landon, John 17. I do not ask for these only. Listen, Jesus is praying. He's praying blessing. He's praying unity over the church, over his followers. And he says, I'm not asking, Father, just for these 12. I'm asking also for those who will believe in me through their word. Who is that? That's the way it works, you know. We're all a part of each other. Are you smelling what I'm stepping in this morning? Are you tracking with me? Let me ask another way. Is this making sense to you? Okay. Just trying to appeal to multiple generations in the room. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be... What's more together than one? Just as you, Father, are in me, wow, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory you have given me, I have given to them. Wow. Next time somebody makes you uh, question whether or not your life is, you ever heard the phrase, well, that might steal glory from God. You ever heard that before? You can't, you can't steal something that he's given you. <laughs> okay. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them, that they may be one as we are one. What's more together than one? Nothing. Okay, let me try again. What's more together than one? I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Do you see that Jesus says that this togetherness is actually what testifies to the world of who he is? And all revival is, is people really figuring out who Jesus is. But people don't figure out who Jesus is until we're living at another level of together. What does this together look like? That when I find out that you have need of something, I view it as my need. When I find out that you're carrying a burden as a brother or sister in the Lord, I share in that burden with you. 
that when I say, I'm going to be praying for you this week, I don't forget to pray. That I open up my heart. See, one of the ingredients of revival, I believe, besides this community, this learning to live life with each other, is something that I call open-handed living. It's a posturing of gratitude that comes out of a place of love, which means that I have time to share with you. I have stuff to share with you. I have a home to share with you. I have a meal to share with you. Have any of you noticed that the world doesn't seem to be getting along very good today? For those of you that watch the news, you should at least know that. That's something for sure the news will show you. People are not getting along today. I believe that the Lord is priming the pump for this revival. I believe that God is literally teeing us up for our moment. I pray that we have eyes to see that we don't miss it. Do you understand that it's unity that heals estrangement? It's love that conquers hate and hostility. And not this watered down, demonically diluted political jargon that you're hearing. I'm talking about the type of unity. Turn, turn with me really quick. I'm, I'm going a little long, so I need to shut up. But go to, uh, where's the other one? John 13. Listen to this. Out of all of the things that Jesus could have said that would show the world that we are his disciples. Look at this. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give you, says the Lord, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. Did Jesus say that because you speak in tongues, that's the way that the world will know that you are of me and that you're my disciples? Did he say because you will have perfect church attendance? That's how the world will know that you're my disciples. I could go on, but I'm running out of time. All those things are good. If you've never spoken tongues before, I highly recommend it. It will be good for you. If you don't have regular church attendance, I would encourage you. It will be good for you. But all those things are leading us to this posture of living that looks like materializing the love of God. The whole point of growth as a follower of Jesus, the place of maturity as a disciple of Christ is the place of God's kind of love. Loving each other the way that he loved us. I believe that our ability to steward revival is directly proportional to our ability to love. Jesus caused the greatest revival that the world's ever known. And the ones that were closest to him carried the baton and sustained it. It said in the book of Acts that these were the men that turned the world upside down. How did they do it? Through just power-filled preaching. What was a component? The apostles' doctrine was there. Holy Spirit messages like Peter gave on the day of Pentecost had 3,000 people get saved and baptized and watering in the Holy Ghost in one day. That's pretty awesome. But notice it wasn't just putting on really good services. It wasn't just hosting really awesome conferences. It wasn't just worship nights at the local area temple. There was this continuation of life together, spending much time in the temple and breaking their bread at homes, opening up our hearts to each other saying that we're in this thing together. I believe that God's teeing us up for such a move of the Spirit in our time. People are not getting along, family. The division is so great. And I believe that between us and the world, the division will only get greater. But the issue is, whenever there starts to be division within the church, because what the world needs to see for revival to take place are a group of people that don't just like each other, they love each other. Differences and all. Differences and all. In the world today, disagreement looks like hatred. If you disagree with me, you hate me. If you don't conform to the way I believe, you're intolerant. 
you're not being loving unless you agree. God's priming the pump. He's teeing us up for such an opportunity because in the midst of a divided time, in the midst of a divided place in our country, the unity of the church has the ability to shine the brightest, to stand out the brightest. But unity doesn't happen unless we're together. The question this morning comes at the beginning of our spring season of life group, it's this, that's the way it works, you know. We're all a part of each other. Are you willing to be in on that? Are you willing to open up your heart and open up your life and open up the wallet that contains your time to say, I need a new level of connection with my brothers and sisters? Man, everything will change about the dynamics of your home whenever you make a decision to open up your home to serve other people. See, we have all these guarded places in our lives, don't we? Places that we say, God, I'm okay with you doing things there, but this space right here in this time, this is my world. Man, you'll figure out that you're not really going to be at your best following Jesus when you still have places of your life that you're addicted to control. <laughs> what happens whenever you take that step? Maybe not to open up your home for a group, but to be a part of one. What happens whenever you actually make the decision to get to know the people that are in this room with you beyond just, hey, John, Great weather we're having this week. You betcha. Same time and same place next week. Absolutely. Hallelujah. Let's pray for revival. What if God wants to do a new thing? What if God wants to use you in a new way? What if the burden that you feel on your life is not because you're just weighed down with enemy opposition? Maybe it's because you've got fruit that's rotting on the vine that people need to eat from. Maybe it's time to see your living room become seasoned with prayers of saints. Maybe it's time to see your back porch be a place where people get filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's time to say, God, we want you to shift and change the heart of our country, but we're actually going to let you shift and change the heart of our homes. God, we want you to intervene for the soul of our nation, but we want you to intercede on behalf of the soul of our family. Life group doesn't give us a place to hide anymore. And that's what's scary about it for some. Getting into groups and learning how to pray for each other, learning how to minister to each other, sometimes can feel like another level of trust or exposure that we're not ready for. But I can tell you the same thing that I tell one of my children. Fear only tries to stop you when something really great is about to happen. I would submit to you that the thing that you're the most afraid of is actually the key that's going to unlock God's destiny and purpose for your life. Have you ever thought that the thing that you dread to do is actually the thing that's connected to the gift that's been locked up on the inside of you that the enemy never has wanted to come out? I would submit to you that the dogs of doom bark and howl the loudest, the closer to your purpose that you get. So I'm commissioning those of you that are terrified of community, those of you that are terrified of disciple making, those of you who are terrified to invite a group of people to breakfast and share your life with them, I'd say you're the very one that the finger of God is upon this morning. Because whenever you're trying to lift something heavy, Everything changes with just an extra set of hands coming alongside of you. What if we follow this template that God's left for us? What if we follow this model that he's left? What if we ask the question, do we know that's how it works? Do we know how it works that we're a part of each other? And do we allow ourselves to move into the thing that God's calling us to be in this hour, which is a body united by love? Showing the world what genuine reconciliation looks like. Showing the world that different people can actually not just live together, but love each other. Because the one that transforms us when we're gathered two or three in our midst is the Lord Jesus. What happens as we start moving into closer proximity with each other? What happens when we start linking arms? Well, I can tell you what happens. A stronger magnitude 
of the manifestation of God's presence. And the stronger the manifestation of God's presence, the closest we are to revival. Why don't you stand? Ministry teams, if you want to come. Thank you for giving me a little extra time. If you want to take that next step and get connected to a group, you're ready for people to know you. You're ready to put your hands in. You're ready to say, man, I'm ready to leverage my gifts for the kingdom of God. I'm ready to go about the business of making disciples. I'm ready to care for the fellow saints in the room. I'm ready to position myself to say yes to this community thing that's an ingredient for revival. We've got folks in the foyer that would love to connect with you. Our life group wall is open. Our online directory is open. If you don't see a group that connects with you or that interests you, I encourage you, times is not too late to start one. I would encourage you also, we're starting um, the second Wednesday of February, I believe it's February 10th, our discipleship school is going to be here on Wednesday nights, every Wednesday except the first Wednesday of each month. The first Wednesday will continue to be a time of extended worship and prayer service. The rest of our Wednesdays, we're going to come together here and we're going to uh, partake of our disciple school uh, curriculum video, and then we're going to split up into groups. And this is a time and an opportunity if you feel uncomfortable about leading a group, we're, we're going we're gonna to model for you what it looks like to lead life group. And if you've had trouble connecting to groups in the past, man, Wednesday nights, you're going to be able to find a group that you can connect with. We've got awesome leaders that are being commissioned this season of group to help grow up other leaders. We want to show you the resources that are available to you so that you can take this into your home and you can build upon the foundation that we're trying to lay. I pray and I pray a prayer of blessing and commissioning over you. I just encourage you to pray about those things. Consider those things. The time for awakening is now. The time for revival is now. And I believe it happens when we're together at another level. Amen.